Live from Quinnipiac University, this is WQAQ 98.1 Hamden, bringing you the best music, sports, and news talk the New Haven County has to offer. WQAQ. The soundtrack. My stock been going up like a crescendo. A bunch of handshakes from the fakes. But I do not want to be friends though. I tell you, I'm man, this is not a love song. This a stripper on a mink rug song. This a fucking boys forever hold a grudge song. Pop some champagne in the tub song. Just because song. Dang, what's the move? Can I tell the truth? If I was doing this for you, then I have nothing left to prove. Nah, this for me though. I'm just trying to stay alive and take care of my people. And they don't have no award for that. Trophies. Trophies. And they don't have no award for that. Shit don't come with trophies. Ain't no envelopes to open. I just do it cause I'm supposed to. I go to dreams with a suitcase. November 1st in the studio. It's a, it's a new month of the Mac and Main show. Holy cow. Can you I, believe it, man? I, I can't believe it, but I gotta ask. It, yeah. is, it is November 1st. Today is the first day of No Shave November. Out of the four men sitting in the studio right now, I need to pull. Who is planning on going No Shave November? I will. I will. Eric will? I will not. I will not. Ah... Uh, Babyface Griffin. <laughs> Griffin's gonna stay babyface. Aiden, uh, Aiden also has said he's not going to participate in No Shave November. I gotta ask everybody why. Why? Why are you in? Why are you out? I cannot grow a beard like you. <laughs> One. <laughs> Two. I have a broadcast on the twelfth opening. Uh, you can't men's do broadcast basketball. with a beard. Looking patchy and looking crazy. No. <laughs> okay, all right. Gotta all right. look fresh. I cannot grow a beard like you. So do you think it's not? It doesn't work like that. Do you think No Shave November stigmas around the fact that you have to have a thick beard? Yes, yes, because it can't be patchy. What about you? Patchy. Yeah, it would just take me a while to grow. Yeah, it takes me a long time to grow. Yeah. So, like, if we were to give you guys like a week, or, or, or we'll, we'll call it, we'll call it, we'll call it, we'll call it a month. What if we gave you guys a month? All right, because No, no Shave November is a month. If we gave you a month, like what would we be looking at? Would we be looking at? It'd look crazy. It wouldn't look, look good. crazy. It would look not less crazy than good or crazy bad. Crazy bad. Right. Crazy bad. All right. I'd look yeah. like one of those characters in the movies that they call the man child. Yeah, um, the man child. Hey, I have to say, you look like the man child. I have to go uh, look that up. My buddy uh, Ryan Sargent from high school always loved to do No Shave November, but he couldn't do anything but the pedo stash. Mm. And I so I can't do anything but. The Really? That's interesting. I've actually never heard that. Only I've only hear, heard of dudes that can either do just the lip, just the upper lip. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of weird with it. I mean, I'm kind of like Griffin too. I don't really have the best like facial hair when I grow it out. I think it's gotten better mm-hmm. over my years of college for sure. But I let, I participate in No Shade November for the the good cause. Um, good I know cause? with uh, with my uh, fraternity or at least through uh, Quinnipiac Greek Life, they have a program where. You know, if you do the No Shade November, you'd have to put down, you know, I would say $20 or whatever it is out of your pocket to to, dedicate, to dedicate towards a, a good cause. Okay. Um, I, and I know that's kind of where it started too, right? Like, I, I, I don't remember where and who and what cause it first started for, but No Shade November, the main reason for it was because it was for, you know, a good cause. And that's where it all started. And, you know, some people donate, some people do not, but... It's kind of you know. it's kind of like the ice bucket challenge. You yeah. either donate or you dump a bucket of water on your head. 
Yeah, something like that. That's a good way of doing it. Like I remember that. I remember you did sophomore year, you did No Shave November. It looked pretty good, came in real nice. Yeah. Griffin, were you here yet? Yeah, because you're he only was. one year below us. He was. But yeah. Griffin wasn't involved nah. in the student media scene no. back in the day. I also just started shaving consistently. <laughs> oh my this god. Dude, can I tell you 10 what months ago? Can I tell you what grade I was when I first started shaving, just in general? It's gotta be high school. Sixth grade. What? Dude, first year of middle school, I had this like peach fuzz mustache that I had to just my dad bought me a bucket of disposable razors. I didn't get armpit yeah. hair until I was a junior in high school. Wow. <laughs> We're just getting into the male anatomy tonight. Uh, we got a lot to get to tonight, and we did get on the air a little bit late. So we're going to go ahead and run with the show. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. You're listening to The Mac and Main Show. On 98.1 WQAQ. The soundtrack of Quinnipiac. Is this the tiger? Where is that new show intro? Dude, just take it easy. Just oh, take it easy. Dude. I didn't, you just came right in there and was like, I mean, mo- I mean, I more need right to hear now. my voice in the show intro, <laughs> man. You are going Come to be. On. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we've been teasing a new show intro. Since the first episode of the semester. It's not just me, man. The fans wanted to. I know they want. I'm aware of what the fans want, but it's been so hard to A, find the time, and then B, get our talent for the voiceover to participate in being Uh, the voiceover. Well, Steve McAvoy told me otherwise, but... uh, Uh, He did not. Whatever. Nonetheless, everybody that's listening right now, you are tuned in to WQAQ 98.1 Hamden. This is the Mac and Main Show, the number one talk radio show on the airwaves, live from Quinnipiac University. Jack Main, Eric Kerr checking in as your main host and special guest today of the Quinnipiac Bobcat Sports Network and co-host of the And One Show right here on the airwaves of the soundtrack of Quinnipiac. It is Griffin Cass. What up, Mr. Cass? Very, very excited to be here. Happy we got to do this, fellas. It's been yes. a... You've never been on the show, actually. I was about to say it's been a minute. You just straight up have never this been here. This is my first time on the Mac and Main Show. Holy cow. Well, Representing we're, And One. We're, yeah, you are. <laughs> we're super happy to have you. We have intern Aiden sitting over here to my right. He's just checking out the board. He's going to be on the airwaves here soon. Uh, but right now, just you just got to get your feet wet uh, and checking it out. Well, boys and girls, we're going to start with uh, the World Series. Are we not? I think we have to. I think we have to. Listen, actually, Aiden, special day. Grab, go ahead, pull mic up, oh mic two up. Goodness. Wow. Um, You're letting the intern get on the mic. We gotta let him get on the mics. You know why? Why? Well, there's one reason and one reason only why he will be joining us for just the first segment. Is it because he has a Braves why. hat on? It is because he has a Braves hat ah. on. So, uh, yeah, we, I respect that. I've always liked the Braves, the unis, the unis with I've the always, Braves. Uh, yeah. Back in the day, you know, I, when I played uh, MLB Power Pros, John Smoltz was my guy. I don't know if you ever played Power Pros before. It's a weird, like, Japanese uh, baseball game, but it's super fun. 
Uh, there you go. And I like Ronald Acuna, even though he hasn't been playing. He's been hurt. That is true. That uh, is true. I like him a lot, too. Well, so. matter of the fact is that the Braves have a 3-2 lead over the Houston Astros in the 2021 World Series. No one thought the Braves were going to make it this far. The Braves were under 500 at the trade deadline. They had just lost their star, Ronald Acuna, to the ACL injury. And it really looked like the Mets were handling that division midway through now obviously the the script was flipped and the Mets fell out of it after the trade deadline and ironically enough the Braves were very much in it they took down the 106 win Los Angeles Dodgers the reigning champion Los Angeles Dodgers after what had seemed like there was no way they would get past them they did so and now they are one win away from their first World Series championship since 1994 boys 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 like, why does this keep happening? Why why do why are these crummy teams consistently making it in to the World Series? I shouldn't say they're, they're crummy teams, but how are, how is it happening? Baseball is just a, you know, an odd sport. I feel like, you know, it, it's all about hot and cold streaks, in my opinion. You know, you, you can have a lot of good hitters in the team. We saw with the Red Sox, especially, as, you know, being Boston fans, where they started out the season really hot. At a cold point, like sort of the middle of the season when we got into the summer. Yep. And then, you know, kind of uh, hit and miss in, you know, the fall. But they got in there in the playoffs, and then they got hot in the postseason. You know, they beat the Yankees, they beat the Rays, and then they cooled down again against the Astros. So I think it's a similar situation with the Braves. You know, they went through that kind of that cold middle kind of point in their uh, season. But then they got hot at the right time, and yep. then the postseason came around, and got in the World Series. And you got to credit, you know, not just from a team perspective, from a player's perspective as well. Uh, I was looking at the stats really quickly, but uh, some guy named uh, Jorge Soler has been really stepping it up. How about that? You don't know who Jorge Soler is? Uh, no, you well, do. Yes, you do. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know him. I know him. You, no, you don't. He's, uh, uh, he's, runs, uh, hey, he, he's two for five in the in uh, game one. Uh, he off. got two homers in, in the series as well. Count that for game four as well for him. Two ribbies in that game one. So he's someone that's been coming in and really you know, stepping up, whether it be in the main starting lineup or as a pinch hitter. He had a pinch hitter, pinch hit home run in that game four as well. So, you know, really the bats, some guys really stepping up at the right times. Pitching too. Talk about Ian Anderson shutting out a, a really good Astros hitting yeah, team in, took in a game hitter. three. Yeah, My friend the John Boy pitch. Media would call him Ion Anderson. Ion Anderson. Yeah, okay. Ion Anderson. Well, it's kind of like Ion Eagle. <laughs> he was, the, he, yeah. He was the first rookie to take a no hitter of a World Series game into the fifth inning since like 1912, which is absolutely insane. Uh, and the fact that you know Snicker had the had the cojones to say, yeah, you're you're done for the night. Uh, that's really tough. That's the analytics of baseball coming into play right there. And it's super crazy how you can lose a star player. In today's age, and totally be fine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Boston loses Mookie Betts. They're in the American League Championships less than two years later. They replaced him with Hunter Renfro and Alex Verdugo. The New York Mets lost all like Matt Harvey uh, a couple the year they made their World Series run. Right. Yeah. He comes back. He, he comes back. Obviously, pitches an incredible postseason. But the matter of the fact is, is that these teams are surviving without their yeah. star players. And the more impressive thing with the Braves too is that it's not like a trade. It's not like you know. They didn't get pieces for losing Acuna. Acuna just got hurt. Uh, Acuna tore his ACL. Yeah. yeah. And so, he like, you don't there. get anything for a guy that tears his ACL. Exactly. But that's if you pick somebody up in free agency. But it's impressive, more impressive, the fact they've been able to find ways to win with without a guy like Acuna in the lineup and be able to make it to a World Series. That's even more impressive than a Red Sox situation. So. I think, a, yeah, lot of teams, I think a lot of teams have been taking the money ball approach here since the Athletics in 2002 when they lost Jason Giambi. They got a bunch of guys to come up 
and pretty much duplicate what he would produce. So they got Rosario, Peterson, Soler mm-hmm. to all fill in that one spot for Acuna. So yep. They have multiple guys on yeah. the bench, but they have one guy playing over him. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. That's the analytical approach right there. That's the Jock Peterson. We need him instead of uh-huh. going out and trading for Starling Marte or X, Y, and Z. Because as we know, you know, guys like that get traded at the deadline, ball out, but then their team cannot make the postseason. And the Athletics gave up a haul to go get Jorge Soler. So I have two questions. Or now that I pose to the three of you. I know Griffin's not the biggest baseball guy out there, but you believe in the Mets. Let's go Mets. I'm a big baseball guy. You are I a mean, big well, baseball guy? Way well, more basketball. Um, diehard Mets fan since 2006. I'm sorry. Um, don't like that comment. <laughs> we'll ignore <laughs> that. Unpopular opinion. I'm Team Astros. Whoa. Um, for uh, I really hope the Astros okay. win you the are World on Series the dark side. My is that why you're kind of sitting over there? Just you, well, like, you told me to sit over here. I did <laughs> only for configuration for the rest of the show. But like I said, unpopular, contrary to the popular popular belief, I am Team Astros. I need the Astros to win the World Series because as a diehard Met fan, I absolutely I don't like using the word hate. But heavily dislike the Atlanta Braves' entire organization. Let's go Astros. And Astros that's fair. And that's fair. as a lover of the Boston Red Sox, who got who, whose team was impacted heavily by the Houston Astros sign stealing, I say screw the Astros. Let's go Atlanta. <laughs> but we also uh, the hate the Yankees. So we have that in common. We do beauty have that in common. It's 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 this conf- the Yankees and Red Sox fans are, are in the uncomfortable position of being friendly to each yeah. other right now. Yeah, I do not like the Yankees, and the Braves are probably my next f- favorite least or least favorite team. I, the 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 AL or the map of baseball fans in America right now is all blue, and then there's one orange dot in eastern Texas. Where the Houston Astros have their <laughs> have their uh, facilities set up. So my questions that I'm posing to you again is: Is the reign of the Astros dynasty over if they lose the World Series? And are we calling them a dynasty? The, yeah, uh, yeah, a hundred percent. The Astros have a dynasty. And do we say that this new age of you can't count? It, there is there is a new meaning to you cannot count any team out looking at what Atlanta has done this season and the Nationals of 2019. I mean, I think, you know, the Astros have, they won the World Series in 2017. And I think if they do not win this year, this five, six run of pure dominance is over. But I think the the win in game five was huge um, for their self-esteem, I think. And, you know, like Eric said earlier, baseball is a funky funky sport you really cannot it's not like basketball where you can really make a strong prediction as to what happens one little missed spot by a pitcher can change the entire season mm-hmm. and Something, you love it you love it you love you it. have to you, you have love to. it that's why that's why baseball is so such that's why playoff baseball is so you know the regular season is a drag it's a very slow sport but playoff baseball is really where it's at that's it's it's great to watch it's great to watch yeah, and so, but the reign is the as of the Astros dynasty. I mean, like we have to consider the fact that in two thousand one, the Yankees were playing in like their fifth World Series in six years, or something like that. Uh, 
they lost to the underdog Arizona Diamondbacks in a year that was tragically, you know, derailed by the events of 9-11. And the entire country was essentially rooting for New York because New York represented the nation in that moment. And this group of underdogs that had never worn Diamondbacks prior to 1998, all of a sudden they're the rude awakener winning a World Series against the greatest team ever assembled in baseball. So... The, the So, do we see this dynasty falling apart in our eyes? Like, are we watching the dismantle of one of the great sports franchises, or one of the great sports runs in, in modern-day baseball history? Well, as long as they keep getting back to the World Series, no, because they've still been consistent, at least getting in the playoffs and still winning and getting back there. You know, I, I don't think a dynasty ends unless if you just completely fall out and just, you know, don't make it mm-hmm. consistently enough, but... You know, even though they've lost against the Dodgers, even though they're down to the Braves right now, they still are out there, you know, doing their thing. They still got the good core. A lot of those players are still young and in their primes. You know, Correa, Gurriel, all those guys in the roster, you know. Who are also free agents. Who, yeah, that's true. So you might have to make a decision on one or a couple of them. But at the end of the day, you know, that, that team's still loaded. And um, granted, they are missing one of their key pitchers in, yep. in the colors as well, right? So, yep. And boy, did they miss Verlander. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's yeah, the there you go. Thing. So right there. If and they, is Verlander's window closing? Yeah, that's another the, big question. Have you ever heard a guy of 38 years old come back from Tommy John surgery? Not really. If there's one guy that can do it, let's be real. It's, it's, Verlander. it's Verlander. Justin Verlander. It's but at the same time, we've never seen it done before. <laughs> at the same time, we are seeing things in sports that we've never seen before. Tom Brady playing until he's 44. LeBron James dominating into his late 30s. You know, examples could go on and on, but for the sake of time, if we see a guy like Verlander come back, if we see a guy like Freddie Freeman, you know, Verlander's a surefire Hall of Famer, but this ring for Freddie Freeman, this ring for... Freddie needs a ring. He does, he He does. He deserves it. This ring for Soler, Duvall, uh, Ozzy Albies, and Acuna. These are all possible Hall of Famers in 30 years. Hmm. What does this what does this ring mean to their legacy if they're able to close out in Houston? Oh, I mean, it, I mean, this playoff run for the Braves would be looked at as one of the, you know, most miracle type playoff runs. I mean, you look at Acuna. I mean, when when Acuna tore his ACL, I'm like, yes, the Mets, the Mets have the have the division this year. Let's go because it was going to be the Braves with Acuna. And then through July and August, I'm like, how are the Braves winning? Like, how? I mean, this this would be one of the most awesome stories in baseball we've ever seen. If the Braves are able to win the World Series, because as you mentioned, they will end a dynasty, I believe, if they are able to beat the Astros. But when we look at the Astros, I mean, you think about Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa, and Jose Altuve in 20 Jordan years. Alvarez. Yeah, I mean those. Dude, I'm, those yeah. Oh my god. Those three, though, since the past five, six years, I mean, we could look at that as possibly one of the most consistent, best all-around big three in baseball in the past, uh, you know, recent times since those uh, really good Yankees teams with Jeter. Exactly, and that's where I'm seeing. You know, we're, we're witnessing history right now. Low, yeah. Low, and I were watching Game Five last night, or Game Six, Five. Yes, Five last night, and she was saying, "Man." Has someone made a documentary about the Astros yet? And I said, no. And do you know why? Because we're still watching it. Yeah. We're still watching the effects of this team play out. Mm-hmm. If you think back to Michael Jordan's documentary that aired during COVID, mm-hmm. 
it, it that documentary talked about everything from the moment he played at UNC Chapel Hill to until his very last game with the Bulls, right? Yeah. And Nine part series, and they only started really series, filming yeah. until the last season, the last dance. Exactly, and it took X amount of years to to edit it. Twenty years, yeah, twenty plus years to put it together. So, mm-hmm. what are we like? How long until we see the the cheating team that that played together until they were old? How long until we see that? Because I feel like in our lifetime, we have this is going to be the third crazy dynasty that we see come to a crumbling halt. First one, Golden State. Second one, New England Patriots. Fourth one, or third one, the Houston Astros. I don't think you could put the Astros in that same category. I don't. Well, will you look at three championship appearances. Appearances. Appearances, rings, one, same core, all but once the same manager. And it's the it's the it's the main cast. The main cast is the same. The Guriel, Correa, Altuve, Bregman. Springer was a, you know In the beginning. In the beginning he was there, but then, you know, he parted the way for Guys like Kyle Tucker, Michael Brantley, who are just absolutely mashing. But that's why this conversation is so significant because of how much is riding on the next on game six and then possibly game seven. Because imagine if the Astros win the World Series this year. That's two. I don't like I don't like the fact that the Astros win. The story is not going to be on the Astros. It's going to be on the Braves blowing a three one lead. That and it seems very Atlanta. Very worried about that. It seems very Atlanta for that. For if the Braves, yeah, we we had a similar story before. The script I'm seeing is actually following 2007 season. If you remember, the Mets had like a 13 game lead at first place. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, I know the Red Sox won the World Series. 2007, then the Rockies came up. Yeah, Matt Holliday's mashing. Tulo's mashing. They make it to the World Series. Just falls short. This this is that's genius right there. All right, yeah. so are we maybe seeing a one hit wonder from Atlanta? Is that what you're trying to imply here? Oh god, I hope not. Are you, a, are you a are you a Braves fan? Or you just have a Braves hat to wear? Baseball fan. You're a base great answer. But for the <laughs> sake of for this uh Boston For the World Series. For the World Series, but mainly I, regular season. I'm a Yankees fan. Oh, <laughs> So he, 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 so this is where the Red but Sox and Yankee fans see, can sit together and we can hold hands uh, and say, it's going to be all right, guys. <laughs> okay, well, um, before we leave, before we head off on our first break, I do want to play a clip for you guys. Uh, it's a call that Joe Buck made. And I, I just it, it took place in last night's World Series, but I want to get everyone's opinion before I play it. On Joe Buck, Eric and I, well-established Joe Buck non-fans. No, no, we hate Joe Buck. I, uh, he's more of a meme to me. He's a meme. He's a meme to me. Yeah. I don't like him. I don't hate him. <laughs> to me, he's, he's in just the middle. There, like I don't love him. I don't hate him. He's just always there. He's just always there. like I can't. I'm in the same I approach. can't imagine watching a World Series without hearing his voice. You know, I, I, like that's I, doesn't I mean, fair. David Freeze home run. That's I fair. can't think of anything besides. Yeah. We'll see you tomorrow night. Wait, we didn't hear from Griffin. What were your What are your exact thoughts about Aiden, Joe Buck? Analyzing him as a broadcaster, you hit it on the pin on the nail. He has a great voice. He has a great voice, but he is the least, the most least least descriptive broadcaster <laughs> I've ever. I mean, Mitchell, Mitchell, Mitchell. <laughs> like it's so consistent of his calls, where the consistency is just horrible. Passes caught. <laughs> Back at the wall and this gun. Let's get some different punchlines, Joe. Your yeah. voice yeah. is amazing. 
I love the voice. I love the pronunciation and the energy, but uh, energy is just not there for me. Mm-hmm. It's because it's never. because you hear All the right, same punchline. All right, yeah, so here fun. we go. Here's the <laughs> Joe Buck call of uh, a Freddie Freeman home run. Are uh, we supposed to be hearing something? All right, so Eric couldn't hear it, which means that now what I have to do is I have to mute everybody's mics and play it over the monitor so that Eric can hear it and analyze it. All right, this is the stuff we do for Eric Kerr. Sorry. 3-2 pitch is hit high and long gone by Freddie Freeman. 5-4 Atlanta. All right, you heard it that time, Eric. Seems like a pretty standard uh, Joe Buck call to me. Honestly, (laughs) you guys are going to be surprised by this. That is one of my favorites. That's up there in the top calls that he's made ever in a World Series. I truly believe that, and the only reason why I believe that is because he hasn't, he just doesn't have that many moments. And that you can like write back, you can look back on and be like, yeah, that was legendary stuff. Like that yeah. was a really good call. Like he was like, holy cow, look at how far that went. Yeah. Like that, that's authentic right there. It's he, true. You can hear it in his voice go long. Oh, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, that was, that I, was, it was good. good. It was, was good. good. I don't say it was bad. Like I remember Aaron Judge's rookie year hit a home run 490 feet up near the retired numbers. And Michael K was just like, oh, long home run. <laughs> By Aaron Judge, and he was like, that almost hit a retired number. Like, yeah. that was far. Yeah, he just doesn't, Joe just doesn't have enough punchlines. Yeah, um, he relies and, too much on his on his roots. Does of, he have a home run call? A back, back at the, at the wall. wall. And it's gone. That's it? That's gone. the one? That's the one. <laughs> yep. I mean, like, come on, like, if Freddie Freeman something. lays into one deep to right field, Freeman goes yard. Just don't ever say back. At, there's no reason to say back at the wall. Unless it's a <laughs> 50-50 ball. Unless it's a yeah. 50-50 ball. Yeah. Well, they're always just moving back at the wall. It's where Joe's Buck's mind. You just so. know that Joe Buck's never looking ahead. When he says passes, caught, he's clearly not looking down the field to be like, Oh, wide open because he's always gonna say passes caught even if the dude's yeah. wide open. It's his uh it's his uh filler phrase. Oh, I wanna see Joe Buck call hockey. We were calling no. we were like, let's see Joe Buck call I basketball. I really wanna see it. Yeah, Joe we basketball. wanna see Joe Buck call we basketball. We think Joe Buck calling basketball, football, and soccer would all very much be the same. Passes caught. LeBron slam good. good. <laughs> Three on the way is good. Something like that. You know what I'm Three saying? Three from the half court line is good. <laughs> Basket and one. <laughs> and Lay game up. three of the NBA finals. <laughs> Lay up good. No fouls. <laughs> we should we gotta we gotta bring up some of the some of the other broadcasters yeah. uh, to do this. Anyway, Aiden, thanks for joining us uh, to talk a little bit of World Series with us. Uh, we can continue to hang out, but the boys and I are going to get into a little uh, discussion about the state of the National Basketball Association. The phrase bing bong should be loud in everyone's ears. We'll tell you why next on the Mac and Main Show.
Yeah, yeah. Gonna get hard, keep your head strong. Keep your head strong. If I quit now, if then I quit I'm dead, now, then I'm dead wrong. Fighting off this hunger for, for hours. Big step on, big don't step, step on. Don't get stepped on. The money might fade, the money but might fade, but respect don't. Still gonna be me, still gonna be me when success gone. Welcome back. We are back here again. Mac and Main Show, 98.1 WQAQ, the soundtrack of Quinnipiac. My name is Eric Kerr. Jack Main's alongside me in the booth. Yes, sir. Come back to here with, of course, our special guest star, my broadcasting manager, partner in crime, Griffith Cass, in the building. And we're talking something that's a little bit more up his alley, up my alley as well. Coming back to some NBA stuff. We got a couple weeks of the season now past us, and... So we got a lot of big topics to talk about. We got a fun segment with the NBA as well, but we're gonna hold off on that. We're gonna something to some, some Kyrie talk, right? Yeah, we gotta talk about Kyrie Irving, bro. What's going on with the Brooklyn Nets? Okay, Brooklyn Nets not looking too shabby right now, sitting at about 500. A uh, couple of embarrassing losses so far this year, and one of the biggest losses has been the man number 11, Kyrie Irving, who refuses to be vaccinated and is just a hubbubaloo of drama that the Nets just do not want to deal with. My question to both of you is, is Kyrie Irving single-handedly going to sink this Nets big three without even playing on the court? I think it is. Uh, I think it's without question. I think it is without question. No Kyrie Irving in the picture for the Nets means no championship. And Kevin Durant paired up with Kyrie in the summer of 2019 to win a championship. And the fact that Kyrie's services are not on the court for the Brooklyn Nets is, I think it's going to create a real frustration within the locker room as the season goes on. Especially, I mean, I, it doesn't look like he's coming back any anytime soon. So as as the games keep going on and going on, I think the frustration is going to be building and mounting. And James Harden and KD are not getting the Nets through the Eastern Conference this year. There are a lot of good teams. I hate to do this, but the team that plays in their exact state in the same city, just in uh, Midtown, the New York Knicks, look like a serious contender to win the entire East. Bing bong! Yeah, well, I, mean, I just love doing that. So. <laughs> I don't know how much of that uh, Knicks bias was in that uh, that claim, but no, I do. Many I do. other teams, um, Bucks, Celtics, yeah. Heat. There's like there's too many good teams in the East for yeah. them to not have Kyrie. No, I agree. The East is way more competitive this year, and you know we saw in the first couple games. We even saw in the off season when we first heard about the the Kyrie rumblings, and we were all thinking like East is going to be way tougher for the Nets to really make a run because you know not only the Bucks are still good, Giannis is well in his prime and will be in there for quite some time. Um, the Sixers still got a, a good core and beat obviously. Uh, the Celtics as well. Uh, the Knicks got a lot better. They got a huge, big offseason additions alongside with the the Bulls and the Heat. So it's just tough. I mean, you know, granted, Kevin Durant is just so good. So it's really tough to count out the Nets in terms of at least a a postseason perspective. Uh, same with Harden as well. You know, that core is not too shabby as well. Granted, they did lose uh, Dinwiddie in the offseason, but Patty Mills has been showing some solid points at times. But yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough because you know we saw what happened when Kyrie got injured, you know, the, the Nets were a much worse of a team. Uh, and the Bucks really were able to take advantage of that and beat them uh, in seven games of the postseason. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough for that team for sure because, you know, we look at that roster in the Nets, and they don't really have a big defensive powerhouse. You know, after losing DeAndre Jordan, it's like I look at that team and it's like 
Nicholas Claxton is their best, biggest defensive presence in the paint. And he's not really someone that's like super uber athletic and go up and grab rebounds, defend, block shots, all that stuff. So, yeah, it's just tough with that roster. And you're exactly right. You know, without Kyrie, you don't have that third key score that creates so many mismatches on the floor. The Nets coming out of the East. And again, me and John have talked about this Kyrie Irving situation multiple times on and one. But the Nets coming out of the East is fully dependent on if Kyrie Irving comes back or not. Because if Kyrie Irving is in that starting lineup for the Nets, I think it's pretty self-explanatory that they just might win the entire thing. But if he is not there, they will not even come out of the East. They might even get bounced out in the second round because of how competitive the East is. Yeah, like what happened last year. So, Do we... Oh, my mic's not on. There we go, gents. (laughs) Do we understand the fact though that the Knicks still have a big mountain to climb because it's not like the Celtics don't exist right now the 76ers despite the fact that they have their own off the court distractions are still are still one of the better teams they're still the reigning eastern champions the Toronto Raptors seem to hang around Miami's playing well Chicago's playing well Milwaukee of course has the MVP of the league running things over there for them so what like realistically like if we're looking from afar and we're looking at this season in like five years. Are we saying that if the Knicks miss again in the playoffs, is that a successful season or is it championship or bust with this core? Oh, it's it's not championship or bust with the Knicks. Um, you know, they last season was the first time they made the playoffs since 2013. Wow. They lost in five to the Atlanta Hawks. Honestly, not a big deal. The fact that they made the playoffs and especially got the four seed was like a championship in itself for Knicks fans. It's just... Fantastic to see, and then they they revamped this roster in the offseason, bringing in Kemba Walker, bringing in Evan Fournier, two huge ad- additions. They drafted very well. Quinton Grimes is is looks like he's definitely could be a problem. R.J. Barrett is in his third year leap. I mean, he's he's balling out. Um, Julius Randle is looking even better than he was last year. Emmanuel quickly, Derek Rose, like they are a very deep team and they are very well coached and they play very hard for their coach. So they could be a team. Mitchell Robinson is also back, which is a huge lob threat that they did not have last year when he was hurt in the playoffs. They really miss his contributions, but the Knicks are a team. Honestly, I'm, I would not be surprised if they came out of these this year. I, I just wouldn't. What's the counter for Boston? Uh, not so great, Paris and the Knicks. Uh, you know, I've been watching the, this team a couple games, obviously, here and there. And the first thing that pops in my head is the fact that they were into the third quarter. My dad texts me and he goes, Eric, are you watching the Celtics? I go, no, I'm covering volleyball. He goes, well, they're, they're awful this year. 0 for 19 from three going into the third quarter. 0 for 19 going yeah. into the third quarter from deep. That, that's not going to get it done, especially with how more open the game has become. You need to have shooters to be able to operate on there in the court. And with guys that are such great slashers and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum on this team, you need to be able to have people that can knock down that shot in space. And, you know, no one has really been really that guy to, to kind of help them out. I mean, you know, I guess thinking about it now with how well Fournier has been able to play with the, the Knicks, you know, they really are could use someone that's just like a, a knockdown shooter is able to get down those shots for you. Um, so go ahead. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering if the Celtics are putting a little too much pressure on Dennis Schroeder to be that guy because right. yeah. he is. He's taking, not a shooter. Shooter is not a shooter. He took out of you know he took last year 
3.53s per game last year with the Lakers, right? This year, that's up by over one sh- one extra shot per game this year. And I wonder if that just falls on the fact that Jason Tatum has looked shaky at best from three. Yep. Jalen Brown, with the exception of the first game against the Knicks and then a second game where he dropped like 40, but mostly from inside. Dennis Schroeder has not been that three-point specialist that Boston thought they were going to get, and maybe that falls back on the fact that Boston has failed yeah, to I, negotiate a trade for I, Damian Lillard. Yeah, I, I don't think Dennis Schroeder was supposed to be a three-point specialist. I think he is coming in to be a facilitator. I think that's his main role. That What Udoka and what... Uh, Brad Stevens, see, because Brad Stevens has obviously been with his team, you know, for a while as the coach. He knows how his players play. He's stepping into this managerial role and he's like, okay, we just need a point guard that can come in and facilitate for our main scorers to go out there and get it done. And, you know, I, I wasn't expecting Shooter to come in and be a three point shooter, but maybe, Jack, maybe you're right. Maybe that's what they need. Maybe they need someone that can come in there and be that. You know, that score, that shooter from downtown, which is why I really like an addition like Bradley Beal in the offseason because he could do that. He's a scorer. And we see the rumors a lot with Beal and Tatum trying to recruit Beal to come over there. It's that St. Louis Chaminade connection that uh, I yep. keep bringing up to you over and over again. But it, it, it's definitely someone that can come in and you know help them score and shoot a little bit better. I'm looking at the stats right now. The Celtics going up against the Bulls. They're in halftime right now. And the Celtics are up by eight points against a, a pretty good Bulls team. They're 5-1 this far. They are at home. The Celtics are, at least. And, you know, I look at the three-point percentage, and right now the Celtics are winning that battle. So, again, you know, if the guys had come out there and hit shots, Jalen Brown's three for five from distance, Marcus Smart three for four, Horford two for four. So if some people can come out there and, you know, be more consistent from the arc and allow more space for guys like Tatum to drive and and get a shot off the dribble in the mid-range, then it's going to help that Celtics team go in a little long run because Tatum and Brown are so talented for them to, you know, be 12th in the Eastern Conference for, for, for too long. I mean, I, I love the Celtics. I love the Celtics. I think Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are the best duo under 25 right now. And I also think that they are both top 15 players in the league, all NBA caliber players. But they will not win a... It, it's, it's also, you're a Celtics fan, it's championship or bust because they've been in the playoffs for the past few years and they've gone bounce out. The Celtics with this young duo of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they really need to take that leap and win a championship. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think with yeah. the roster around them right now that that's a possibility because right. as you alluded to, they just don't have enough shooting. You're right. Jason Tatum and Jalen are both great playmakers and they create such uh, havoc uh, for the defense, for their for their opposing uh, team that they're playing against. And they just don't have enough shooting, I don't think, that will again they're really missing Evan Fournier. Yeah. I mean you really see it playing out now. They don't have great spacing. Dennis Schroeder, since I'm a avid LeBron fan, I, I kind of followed him on the uh Lakers last season. He is not a guy you want to rely on, especially in the playoffs, to hit clutch shots. Uh he's just not that guy. Marcus Smart You're I, not that guy, Bell. You're, you're, you're not that Dennis, guy. Dennis, you are just not that guy. Uh, Marcus Smart, honestly, I think is a great clutch spot up shooter, but they need they need more specialists. They don't. He's not. Uh, he's going to be very tired at the end of games. It, playoff basketball is really dependent on. Well, playoff basketball slows down, and you need to be able to space the floor. And with playmakers such as Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, you need shooters all around the perimeter that can hit 
you know, high percentage from three. Yeah, and it comes down to depth, too, and you, you, you allude to that, too. You know, with Marcus Smart, I don't think Marcus Smart's a starter. He, he started in this game against the Bulls, but he's not a starter kind of player. He needs to come in off the bench, provide that spark, provide that energy, and make those big defensive plays throughout the game, and then save his energy for the last six minutes, eight minutes of the fourth quarter in, in crunch time to come out there and make a big block, draw a charge, dive for a loose ball, whatever it is. Like, he needs to come out there and be, you know, that guy, you know, with more energy. And it all comes with depth. And you're, to your point, the Celtics don't have enough shooters. They don't have enough depth surrounding that core. And especially, you know, is a little more concerning with, you know, with the injury concerns last year. Tatum missed a lot of time with COVID last year. Jalen Brown was was out towards the end of the season in the postseason. And they really could have used them. And Robert injury, Williams, yeah. too, is always can't really find the floor. So... You know, it, it's just so many questions surrounding this team. And I think, yep. you know, it, obviously it is championship or bust. It's been that way. But with this roster, it's, they're not ready for that kind of attitude Yeah, I think next season they're going to have a lot more cap space. They'll be able to bring in guys like Bradley Beal and really try to build a good roster to help out Tatum and Brown get to that championship level. Well, there are currently... Four teams tied for first place with a 5-1 and one record. The Knicks and Bulls are both in there along with the Heat and Wizards. And then 11 spots below that fall the Boston Celtics at 2-4. and four. I want to talk about a couple of surprises in the NBA, and I want to get uh, both of your honest kind of feedback on why you think these teams are where they are. First of all, the Washington Wizards. How in the hell are they 5-1 and one after trading Russell Westbrook and clearly have a guy in Bradley Beal that doesn't really want to be there. How are they 5-1? and one? I mean, listen, I think it's, you know, their first six games of the season. There's 82 of them. You can't overreact in the fact that they are... Are we not calling the Knicks a championship contender right now at 5-1? and one? <laughs> I think the Knicks have a different roster. I think it's a different roster, but I, I, I was going into this season and, you know, just talking with friends, a lot of people, you know, really just overlooked the Wizards... I mean, I think that they have a decent roster. I mean, emphasize on the decent, but they got a few guys from the Lakers that have made uh, great contributions. Uh, KCP, Kyle Kuzma, Montrezl Harrell, all have uh, done some good things with the uh, Wizards this season, obviously, resulting in the 5-1 and record. But, I mean, realistically, hopefully this team can even make the play-in tournament when it's the 82 games are... Final, so yeah, they have definitely been a surprise in these first six games. But I, I don't see any, I don't see this team going far any anywhere past the playing tournament. Contrary to the Celtics, the Wizards, I will say they have gotten more depth. Uh, with losing Westbrook, you've got some pieces in return. Kuzma's been pretty good this year as a team leader in rebounds, eleven point eight thus far. Harrell, who uh, Griffin mentioned, uh, Dinwiddie as well from the Nets, KCP. So they've got more guys to help them out in terms of losing Westbrook that is makes them deeper but I you know I don't think the Wizards really are going to make it that far I don't think you can win with just just Beal as your main superstar on the contrary to the Washington Wizards we have the Los Angeles Lakers the very team that teamed up to trade uh, Russell Westbrook and Kyle Kuzma and company they are at four and three but they're at a very lowly four and three and currently sit at sixth in the West, NBA fans are always very quick to judge based on early season records. So we're going to do the exact same thing. There has been 
controversy surrounding this team of just God-given talent 10 years too late. So why are, why are the Lakers not undefeated, and why won't they go uh, be a 70-win team this season? Well, I mean, again, my point with the Wizards, the NBA season is very long. It is broken up into 420-part games. So the first 20 games, especially with the new roster, you're just trying to get the feel, just trying to get the chemistry down. And then you hope with this team, after 20 games, you got like 12, 13 wins maybe. And then after 40, you hope that you're closer to 30. Um, but again, I, it's not an overreaction to these first seven games. I don't really think that the results are too important at this point in the season. I just think with the Lakers, it's just all about chemistry just building that chemistry especially in these first 20 games but in this first half half of the season build that chemistry and then really try and hit your stride around all-star break it's just too long of a season to be overreacting to the first seven games yeah i'm with it uh obviously lakers have a loaded roster and they've they've gotten way better since the the start of that uh season as well against golden state and phoenix uh they've won four out of their last five uh, including an overtime thriller against san antonio Anthony Davis is playing really well, a couple 30-point games in there. So, yeah, it's all about finding that gel with the group, especially with the Lakers, because they're pretty much it's a whole new team when you look at their roster, regardless, I mean, with the exception of LeBron and Anthony Davis. It's, it's, it's a whole new team, and obviously trying to work with Russell Westbrook, if you're LeBron James, both two very dominant ball players with the you know ball handlers looking to make you know moves with it, pass it, shoot it, mm-hmm. whatever. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. All right. Oh, but just go ahead, go just ahead. one last little thing. Yeah, yeah. As you mentioned with AD, just watching his press conferences this season and a little pattern that he has been alluding to is just not overreacting to wins or losses. This yeah. is a really long season. It's a process. It's a marathon. You just got to worry about getting better each day. Even that's just by 1% better. You just got to worry about getting better each day. And hopefully uh, during April and May, it's you know you're really ready to go and hit your stride. Gentlemen, it's time for us to play a little game. Let's do it. All right, so I I actually just looked up the baby Roddy Rich type beat for the background music. I did not listen to this beat beforehand. Did not know LeBron was going to shout on that. But this is essentially our version of Inside the NBA's Who Does He Play For? So, gentlemen, right now I both want you to pull up our separate text conversations that, that we have had in the past, right? Eric texts me individually. Griffin, you will be texting me individually i will be you guys are both on macbooks so there's no advantage there's no disadvantage android iphone here everyone here has got blue message bubbles which is going to make this go a lot smoother so sweet i have a list pulled up in front of me of players who i think have been you know we're just they're just kind of moving around the league a little bit and you know where are they right now so we're going to start a little easy it's going to progressively get a little bit tighter as we go along gentlemen are you ready as long as i don't go 0 for 4 like charles barkley i'm ready to go ready all right here we go we've got seven guys so there will not be a tie no matter what all right starting off who does he play for grayson allen but ding da ding eric has got his answer submitted Griffin has also got his answer submitted. This is tough because I have Gri- I have Eric pinned. Um, you guys both got it right. It was Milwaukee. I saw Eric's first. Eric, points go to you. One point for Eric Kerr. Okay. Let's go. Second player. Taco Fall. 
Griffin Cass, you are in first with the Cleveland Cavaliers. You are right. For the record, Eric also got it right. All right, boys. Time to get a time to get a little bit trickier. All, All right. right. Billy Herna Gomez. Billy Herna Gomez. Good try trying to pronounce that, by the way. Thanks. All right. You guys both got it wrong, and you guys, and Griffin was first, but you guys both got it wrong. He plays for the Pelicans. Oh. Oh, his brother plays for the Celtics. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. Okay. I know Wonko. Yeah, I know. I got Wonko. the mix up. I said Celtics. Yeah. All right. I got the mix up. Next up, Dennis Smith Jr. Who does he play for? Uh, it is currently 1 1. You guys have both got the last one wrong. Griffin's in first. Erickson second. Griffin, you got it right. Portland Trailblazers. Eric said Dallas. Griffin oh, still in Dallas. takes the 2 1 lead. All right, gentlemen. Oh, boy. We're just getting down here. Here we go. <laughs> I really don't want to say that one because I know Eric's just going to smack it out of the park. Actually, he might smack both those out of the park. Well, all right. Daniel Tice, who does he play for? Type that so fast. <laughs> you did. You did. Yeah, and you got it right as well. Let's Houston, go. The, the Houston Rockets. Oh, no way. I had that first. I it's a spell check. It said Rivero. No. Houston Rockets. Eric Kerr has tied it up at two. All right, boys. Two left. Two left. So there now there can be a tie because you guys sucked at the middle rounds of this. Brad Wanamaker. Who does he play for? Both you guys said Golden State. Both you guys are wrong. He plays for the Indiana Pacers. Right. Oh man, I forgot a about great that. guy. He played for he played for uh, Golden State. I'm so used to Flight Reactor saying Brian Wanaberger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love the flight videos, gentlemen. All right, we are down to our final player. Actually, uh, Aiden, do you know much about the NBA? No? Okay, so I can't. <laughs> I've, listen, I've never heard of this guy. Jacob Resnick gave me this list. Oh, wow. Okay. Are you guys ready? ready. Yeah. Eric Paschal. Pascal? Pascal. Matt Paschal. It's spelled Paschal. Did you guys both say Golden State again? <laughs> he plays for the Jazz. Oh, really? Since yes. when? Since this year. Oh. Well, so you Golden guys, State made a mistake, uh, man. <laughs> all right, so you guys are both tied at two. How the hell did that happen? break a tiebreaker, man. We got, all right, all righty. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> have to just go random NBA player generator. Uh, Aiden's going to set on that. While Aiden goes and he finds that, we got we to gotta rip a blitz for six. Do you have it pulled up? Because I don't. I do. You do have it Do you want me to up? run through the whole thing right now? I wouldn't say run through the whole. Well, yeah, run through the first one. I'll try to find all it. All right. Blitz for six. Here we go. We're starting with some NFL in this Blitz for six, and it's Von Miller. He's headed to the Los Angeles Rams. What? The Denver Broncos agree to trade the eight-time Pro Bowl linebacker for pocket change, in my opinion, a second yeah, a and third round draft pick in the upcoming 2022 NFL draft. The Broncos will also plan to pay $9 million of his remaining $9.7 million salary deal. How much better the Rams got after that move. Von Miller is a very, very good talent. He is a very, very good talent, and I finally have the Mac and Main notes pulled up. I actually saw uh, a fellow student media person uh, put out a poll on their Instagram today asking, are the Rams Super Bowl contenders? Not favorites, contenders. I wonder who that was. 
I, yeah, I do wonder that <laughs> as well. All right, the next uh, one? Zion Williamson is progressing in his recovery from a fractured foot injury, but still will not see the floor for another two to three weeks. This was confirmed from reporters after receiving word from Pelicans coach Willie Green that doctors determined his timetable for some recent scans without Williamson. The Pelicans are one and six. Back Eesh. to the NFL. We have some more injury stuff from this past weekend. Derrick Henry will have surgery tomorrow morning after injuring his right foot against the Indianapolis Colts last weekend. Hall of Famer returns back to the league. He's going back to the Titans as Henry's replacement because he could be out for the whole year. And Jameis Winston also suffered an ACL injury in his left knee on Sunday after taking a very awkward fall when Devin White of the Buccaneers was running into him as Winston was on the run. Sean Payton declined to say whether Taysom Hill or Trevor Simeon will be a starter next week, or could it be Cam Newton? Could he be coming back to New Orleans? Uday Saints, maybe? I, I could see that. I, I, you know, we were sitting in the suite today, and we were thinking, oh, if Cam Newton was on the Patriots this week, uh, this would be his return to Carolina. Yeah. And now that's not going to happen. We were also looking at ticket prices to potentially go to, uh, yep, that's a, that's a perfect one. Um, we just got our we just got our tiebreaker for. Uh, All right. What, what, do you want to so read the last blitz for six real quick? I do want to read the last blitz for six real quick first. I'm trying to do multiple things at once. Uh, what was I trying to say? Yes, uh, it's a it's terrible. Panthers tickets, blah Panthers blah tickets, blah. Tickets, yeah, too expensive. Yeah. When you can go to a Miami game for seventeen dollars. Okay. This afternoon, National Hockey League Commissioner Gary Bettman announced that he stands with former Chicago Blackhawks player. Kyle Beach, who was part of the sexual assault investigation surrounding the team. The investigation began last week after a law firm, Jennifer and Block, released a statement about how Blackhawks former video coach Brad Aldridge sexually assaulted Beach during the 2010 Stanley Cup run. Bettman stated the NHL could not be more sorry for the trauma Kyle had to endure, and our goal is what is necessary to continue to move forward. An absolutely sad situation in the National Hockey League that has had fallout uh, across many, many different organizations. No doubt. Hate to see it. Hate to see it indeed. We're going to end on a high note, though. One of these guys is walking out of here uh, a winner. Oh, your girlfriend's really cute, though. But you got to open Aww, up your phone for him. <laughs> the intern's got a girlfriend. He's, all right. First of all, we want to just say Aiden's not our intern. He is merely here to just kind of learn how everything works. All we right, just gentlemen. joke, guys. We just joke. Are you guys both ready for the final, for the final round? Let's I'm ride. Ready. Wait, okay. wait. Let's ride. Let's ride. Here we go, gentlemen. What team does he play for? Eric Bledsoe. Oh, I was too slow. It was definitely too slow. You were too slow, and Griffin is the champion! Let's go! I was going to say Pelicans. I was like, no, he's not the Pelicans. It was too late. Dang it. <laughs> hey, you don't see it, but I'm shaking my man Griffin's he, hand he in, this, in the stew. He is. Good I'm game. Trying to, I'm trying I'm to find I'm just sport over here. Griffin Cass, champion of our Guess Who on the uh, Inside the Mac and Main show. Boys and girls, that's going to wrap us up for this week of the Mac and Main show. Huge shout out to our guy Griffin Cass popping on the broadcast along with Aiden Say it again. Sheehan? Sheedy. 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 Aiden Sheedy talking some Major League Baseball with us. I got Braves in six. Boys? Astros in seven. Screw you.
Braves in seven. Bra- okay. You know what? I can get on top of that. As yeah, long Aiden as- also said Braves for seven. So we All are right. thinking on the same wavelength. A classic seven-game series. If you guys ever miss an episode of the Mac and Main Show, you guys can go find them on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can go follow us on Twitter at Mac and Main. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to us on YouTube. And as always, come back here Monday night, 8 p.m., on the friendly airwaves of 98.1 WQAQ, streaming from Quinnipiac University. For the folks in the booth, Jack Maine, Eric Kerr, we promise to be better next week. So long from Hamden.